Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Berkshire Football Stories podcast is sponsored by the Curious Academy, a skills hub running a sales academy, digital skills bootcamp, and data analytics training in Reading. The Curious Academy is all about you and creating positive outcomes, whether that is finding a career, starting a business, or just walking away feeling much more confident about life. Their programs are designed for people who have lost their way a bit and are looking to change their futures, maybe rebuild their confidence or be pushed slightly out of their comfort zone in a safe and friendly environment. Group sizes are small to ensure everyone has an opportunity to get involved. The Curious Academy delivers inspirational and fun programs designed to help people wanting to improve their skills, whatever their background. You can find out more at www.thecuriousacademy.co.uk. Football in Berkshire's podcast is sponsored by Ticket Pass. TicketPass provides an ethical alternative to a ticketing industry that often profits from greed. Our platform is an all-in-one solution for creating events, buying and selling tickets, live streaming and keeping events in a safe space. To find out more, to buy tickets, to sign up to the service, head to ticketpass.org. Hi everybody, uh, Tom Canning here and welcome to another Berkshire Football Stories podcast, this time with an international flavour to it. I have actually written notes for this podcast such as I am nervous about one of our guests and talking to him, he's a very nice man and he's been on lots of very big uh, and important podcasts other than this one. Um, but first, no less important, we are joined by Alicia Povey, our resident futsal expert. Um, Alicia pays for Southampton Aztecs in the top tier of women's futsal in England. She's written this, so I'm reading this directly. Um, <laughs> she was formerly vice captain and all-time women's top goalscorer at Reading Royals, um, and she is an occasional commentator and studio expert on the BT Sport coverage of the National Futsal Series. She also does a lot of nutmegs and falls over, which is uh, the bit I wrote. Um, <laughs> Also joining us uh, is Paul Watson. Um, Paul is the author of the really, really excellent and the first and the reason that I he came into my sphere of knowledge, the excellent book Up Pompeii, which I'm hoping I've pronounced correctly. Um, it's the story of a man who wanted an international cap and ended up writing the heartwarming story of football in Micronesia. And Micronesia is exactly why we're here today, because and um, Paul, you are organising. Oh, sorry, I should say hello. I haven't said hello. Hello, oh, everybody. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. Um, uh, so, so everybody's here. We uh, and we're here because we want to talk about futsal. Uh, Paul, you. Uh, we'll start with you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this madness that you're up to in Micronesia? Yes. <laughs> so I'm. I'm trying to organise the first ever futsal competition in the Federated States of Micronesia. Um, and oh, it's kind of a long story how that has come about. But um, read the book. Buy the book. 
I did write a book about it. So um, <laughs> basically, in short, uh, yeah, this this kind of stupid idea that I'd had of trying to be an international footballer and refused to give in on um, led to me going over there at the age of 25 to the Federated States of Micronesia, to a tiny island called Pompeii, which is one of the four Federated States, um, and trying to coach at the time what was listed on Wikipedia as the world's worst football team um, to their first ever win. And, you know, it kind of started off as a really silly project in, you know, it's a sort of joke down the pub and then it became quite serious in terms of by the time we actually, I say we, me and my flatmate both went out together. Um, by the time we left the UK, the goal was actually to effectively restart football on this island um, because football had got kind of discontinued um, uh, after they'd lost 16-1 to Guam, which is like the the big neighbours, and funding had just been cut and there was absolutely no funding for football and the team had sort of drifted apart. So the idea was actually just to sort of restart football and that's what I did for about 18 months. Um, set up a whole football programme from uh, schools and from sort of grassroots, uh, set up a league and then um, picked a, a team to go off island to try and compete in a tour of Guam. Um, and where that ended up leaving us, um, this is now 2010, was with the four Federated States of Micronesia, which are uh, Pompeii, where I was, and then Yap, Chuk and Koshai, um, setting up uh, a united FA, which could be regarded as a nation by FIFA and going in search of FIFA membership, because um, they are one of only six sovereign nations in the world that are not in a FIFA confederation. And sadly, that didn't work. Ten years later, we are exactly where we are. And one of the big takeaways that, that we had, it took me far too long to come to this revelation, was that actually futsal would make a lot more sense, um, partly because of the climate, because the pitch is flooded all the time. Uh, it, it, it's one of the rainiest places on earth, so it rains all the time. Um, and you, you can't reliably play outside, partly because um, kids there are very well suited to it they love basketball they love uh high intensity sports where you get a lot of touches of the ball and 11 aside football is a lot more difficult to get people excited than when you could bring a ball indoors and everyone's kind of crowding around um but possibly the main reason is one of the biggest problems in the region is people can't compete there's nowhere there's no real chance for teams from those islands to go off island and compete because it's so expensive to fly so futsal cuts the squad size down massively because you're only actually looking for um, at worst, six people going off the island. At most, obviously, you want a few more. But um, if you have to, you can cut it to six. And um, that takes the cost down massively. So that's where we got to this point, where we're trying to set up this first ever tournament for these four islands, um, all of whom have played football, futsal, except for Koshrai, which didn't even have a football or a futsal when they entered the competition. <laughs> Genuinely. Um, they said, we want to be involved. Kids want to play. I said, great, you know, what are you lacking? And they said, well, a futsal. And I said, okay, we don't have a futsal ball. Fine, you know, you can use a football for now. We'll work it out. I said, no, no, we don't have that either. <laughs> okay. So what, what do you have? And they said, well, a basketball. Said, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's where we are now is trying to get footballs uh, and futsals out there and setting up this tournament as a goal, you know, to give kids a reason to actually have a, a, a motivation because that's one of the biggest problems. Leach, I think, can I throw the floor to you as our as our futsal expert? Yeah, I mean, I just that sounds incredible. Um, I think like even in the UK, futsal's not really like a big thing. I think it's getting there, but the fact that you're taking futsal to Micronesia is just incredible. I think it will be 
exciting and I can't wait to see what happens really. Well, have we, they got a women's team, maybe, that you could uh, maybe have? Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> interesting. So the interesting thing in Micronesia, which is, I don't know if this is, it's probably not unique, but um, uh, men and women, boys and girls, always play alongside each other. There's no, there's no distinction in Micronesian culture. And there never was in Pompeii. So it was quite funny. When I went over to Pompeii, I thought, you know, I'm going to be, this uh, this Western guy who's going to come in and tell them, you know, women need to play football as well, and I'm going to be this this big white saviour. No, sure enough, I turn up and women are just playing in the games, and no one even noticed, you know, no one cares. It's not like a big issue. So um, some of the teams, yeah, some of the teams in the eleven side men's league technically have women in the teams. It's not called a men's league; it's just a league. Um, and so that really put me in my place. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. We're actually the ones that are, that are making a big deal out of this. So yeah, no, there there may well be women uh, playing in the futsal competition. We're not sure yet exactly who's going to pick who, but it's yeah. So it, awesome. it, what's the what's the selection process like for 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 playing? Is it is it kind of do, do you have to have lived for a certain number of years on one of these specific islands? Um, so and, I, and I'm harking back to I heard you on um, I think it was the Guardian Football Weekly yeah. last week about your 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 elusive search for that cap. Um, do you, do, could, could Paul be called up for? Oh, I thought have, you were angling. I thought you were angling for a cap. I thought you. Were oh God, say, no, no, no! I can, I can barely um, play six aside or eleven aside football with a size five football, let alone. Um... <laughs> no, um, well, it's really such a problem because. The, the there's not really going to be a problem with nas- nationality, really. The actually the interesting thing is one of the teams, um, Koshrai, doesn't have any structure on the island. But one of the reasons this whole process started was I was contacted by a Koshrayan, uh, well, a, a US kid uh, who called Kenneth, who got in touch with me and said, you know, I've just found out. Actually, I think he knew. You know, I've known for years. He had Koshrayan heritage. His, his mum was from Koshrai. Um, and he was saying, look, is there a national team for me to play for? I want to play for Federated States of Magnesia. And part of the reason this whole process started was I was saying, well, look, they're, they're just, there isn't, but you know, maybe we can start setting things up again. And um, so he's going to come in from the US and he plays <laughs> at college level in the US. So he's going to probably be the, the standout player of this tournament. Wow. But um, no, I don't think we've got any problem with them. Like, Chu can't going to fly in a load of Brazilians or anything like that. Very uh, <laughs> homegrown. But yeah, a lot of stuff, you know, we are it's as rustic as it gets. Like the yeah. goals are going to be made out of fishing nets and pipe. We looked into getting goals transported, but it's actually the shipping costs that are just right. absolutely astronomical. So it's, we are starting from absolute, you know, it's, it's an entry level competition in a way, which is quite unique that some of these kids will have very, you know, early stages grasp of what the, what the game is, but, uh, but it's not going to be a mismatch because nobody on those, on those courts is going to be like a, a, an experience like you know player of the sport and i think that's why it works whereas micronesia has sent out 11 aside teams to competitions in the region and been beaten by world record score lines and it's not a useful developmental experience to lose 30 or 40 nil it's it's really dispiriting and they don't really learn anything from that so what's nice is this tournament everyone should be reasonably equal and each game should be competitive and hopefully they're just enjoying it and in the process kind of learning about about the sport that's that's kind of where we where the, the the point of it is, isn't it? I, I suppose that they that they're enjoying a a sort of a, a slightly more organised level of, of of football, really, for for want of a better for want of a better term. And Leisha, you look like you were going to say something. I was just going to ask, where are you sourcing the referees from? 
How well, what's all the um, gonna be like? <laughs> it's a good question. There, there won't be so much um, heckling of the referee as we're used to in this country. <laughs> it's going to be the so each team has a representative. So there's a football officer now on each of the four islands, uh, and they're basically the coaches as well. Um, you know, it's more or less the same role, and each of them is going to coach and referee. So you know, when Duke play Koshrai, we'll have Pompey and Yaps. Um, representatives as the referees and they'll just rotate around like that but luckily it will be really you know there'll be a lot more respectful atmosphere it's not culturally done to to lament referees it's just just not in the culture at all um it's a very respectful and elder-centric culture so people generally don't talk down to older people which I learned to my cost when I was coaching because I was much younger than a couple of the players. And I wasn't rude to them in, in any terms, but I would yell instruction. And if I said it in the wrong way, they would just walk off and I'd have to go to their houses to apologise in front of their families. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that kind of coach either. I'm not a yeller. I'm not rude. I don't swear at people. I never belittle anyone. But even within, even my very gentle insistence that someone mm. sort of play someone offside or, you know, get back from a position they're in was too much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um Lish, I, I just for for anybody listening to this who is not massively familiar with 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 futsal um can you just talk us through kind of what the fundamentals are but, uh, Paul you may learn something here as well I don't know I, I really um, will I absolutely <laughs> will <laughs> what, what sort of the fundamentals um, what are what are the what are the what are the key rules and and, and 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 various things I always like when I do watch it I like it when the goalkeeper comes out and goes on a run I love that <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's quite similar to, to football, really. Um, like, you could probably go onto a, a football court and, and, like, give it a good go. Um, obviously, I don't know, if, uh, Paul, whether this will be the case in Micronesia, but there's a stop clock. So if the ball goes out of play or, um, yeah, the, the, the play stopped, then the, stop, the clock stops. So there's no time wasting, which is nice. Um it can, only have it can be nice or it can be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exhausting. But if you'd like, I always used to get told off by my coach, Fernando, at Reading, because I used to go and get the futsal for people because it was when we were coming back from COVID and I just wanted to like get the game going again because I was sick of not playing. And he always used to say, like, why are you wasting your energy getting the ball? Like, the, the, the clock has stopped. Just let them go and get it. Um, so I was just getting in trouble for that. But... Um, yeah, the keeper only have it for four seconds um, in their own half and they can only receive it once. So that kind of takes them out of the game. But like you say, Tom, they want to go on a wait, like a wavy run. They can get forward and they can have it for unlimited amount of time in the opposition half. Um, yeah, I honestly can't really think, <laughs> I can't think of any others. Maybe I'm just, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing things. It's maybe because I was watching Five Aside yesterday, so... I've got that rule in my head, but I think did, those are the main ones. Did you come to futsal from football? Like, were you a footballer who became a futsal player? Yeah, so I hadn't played before. And then I started at uni. I think a lot of the English futsal people did. Um, so I was at Bath and they were quite good at futsal. And then did a year abroad. So I studied Spanish and Russian at uni. So oh, did wow. a like, year abroad in Spain and Russia. Um, wow. Weirdly played beach football in Russia and then oh, only 11 aside in Spain. And then, yeah, I just kind of like fell out of love with football. Um, I played like an okay level and then just concentrated on futsal. And here I am, just playing futsal now, but working for a football club. So, <laughs> doing it all, I guess. 
That's very cool. Um, wow, I bet you that's an amazing series of adventures in itself. Like some of those, and <laughs> like now, now when you're saying, you know, yeah, just played in Spain and Russia, and you think, wow, it just feels very, um, <laughs> yeah, very exciting and unusual thing to do. Yeah, maybe beach football is the next one for uh, Mike and Yeah, football. well, the funny thing is, people often say to us, beach football is a logical step, but actually. Um, slightly counterintuitively, there are very few beaches, uh, not certainly not sand beaches. Mm. Um, so Pompeii is inside the reef, so there's no there's no sand beach in that way. Like you can access them on a boat, but you're not really going to do that in, in very often. Um, yeah, so actually, beach football sounds like it's it's a really good option. Um, it's own set of rules does it beach football is it it's an entirely it's quite it's quite similar to futsal really um i mean like talking about places that you wouldn't expect beach football to be played i was playing in st petersburg which is not particularly beachy as a place and it was minus (laughs) 31 degrees when i started playing but um yeah it's quite similar um you just got to keep the ball off the floor a lot so obviously the ball is different that was nothing about futsal the ball you'll know this ball is slightly heavier and it doesn't bounce as much so it's yeah. good for like the first touch and kind of skills, which I don't possess that many of, but <laughs> some people do. <laughs> I was going to say these sound like skills that I wish I had when I was uh, when I was playing the the, the Brighton or Sunday League Division Three was uh, was was even even that was too high for me, arguably. Um, I was very much a close my eyes and head the ball man. Um, <laughs> that was it, a... it. Yeah, it's interesting though because I think. Well, so what we in the region, the Solomon Islands have recently become really good. So, you know, I mean, say it's not been sudden, you know, it's been a long process of development. And um, it's really interesting to see how that can also develop through the 11 side team. So obviously Solomon's got a couple of players like Raphael Leai, who just come to play in Bosnia, first um, Solomon Island to, to come to. And, and, you know, his whole development was through futsal. And then he moved into football and I think sometimes we get involved in this debate with people it gets quite quite heated about whether futsal being seen as a development tool for football and whether it's always seen as subsidiary in some way or like lesser in that way or whether it's seen as a completely different sport I guess people quite angrily saying to me you you seem to interchange the two football and futsal <laughs> and the reason we do that is because basically to our intents and purposes it, it is interchangeable in that we want kids kicking a football or futsal, mm. just kicking something and enjoying it and playing a sport around it. It's very, very like simple for us. It's like we can get them playing futsal, brilliant. If we can get them playing football, brilliant. And if the kids that play futsal are likely to want to play football as well, and the kids that play, you know, it's not, they're not a competitive thing. But I was interested to see whether for people really in the futsal world, does it feel like this is a separate sport or is it annoying that it's sometimes seen as a development tool for football as if everyone should want to be a footballer and futsal is just a subsidiary thing? Um, I'm not going to be one of those angry people that shouts at you, Paul, for saying that <laughs> oh, it's good. a development tool. <laughs> I was about to hang um, up just in case. <laughs> I, I think it's getting there in terms of like, if you look at where the league is now for, for like the National Futsal Series, it's getting there as its own kind of thing. Um, but then you look at a lot of like Premier League clubs um, and a lot of them use futsal as a tool in their academy. Um, and there's quite a few people in the futsal community who work in football academies and, and teach futsal. Um, it, is a, like, it is a really good tool to develop players because you have to be really quick thinking. It's like that first touch is so important. And then you see, obviously, 
everyone talks about like Messi, Ronaldo and players like that going into football and being incredibly sort of talented. Obviously, Max Kilman in the Premier League. I'm mentioning him, Tom, because he's was at Maidenhead, so football <laughs> yes. in Berkshire. Got to, get those, um, got to get those little Berkshire links in somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I mean, in I'd say in the women's league uh, for the National Football Series, probably like 80, 90% of the girls play football as well. Um, I don't anymore just because I don't, well, I do a little bit, but when I'm not injured. But um, I think it is kind of, until football becomes like, a viable option to kind of play more competitively. I think it's going to be that it, it can be used as a development tool. But yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and say that it needs to be completely separate because I think it works both ways. To be honest. Yeah, and it, 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 I mean it's interesting from our point of view. So one of the reasons we are where we are in Micronesia is because FIFA hasn't stepped in, um, and the process to get into Oceania Football Confederation or Asia Football Confederation is really unclear and lengthy and more political than than anything else. Um, And so it's strange because to some degree you look at it and you're like, well, maybe futsal is an opportunity to circumvent that because, you know, we can demonstrate that there's development going on. You know, we are trying to develop people. We're trying to get kids playing. But actually, of course, that weirdly sort of is under FIFA's right? But yeah, I was reading. Is there another futsal governing body as well? Because I got really confused by this. <laughs> uh, I honestly don't know. So we're in England, governed by FIFA. Um, mm. So, but yeah, they're not. They, they. I'm not going to slag them off, but they haven't historically <laughs> been particularly helpful um, with futsal. Um, like they've only just. Well, they've just announced that they're going to have a women's futsal World Cup. But then you like dig down and you literally can't find any kind of date of when that's going to be. There's literally nothing concrete anywhere. Um, So I think it's, yeah, it's like trying to staple jelly, trying to get information about futsal from anywhere. So I don't don't know. Yeah. Kind of crazy when you think about it, because that's not a small detail. You're not trying to find out like when, (laughs) I don't know, the 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 regional (laughs) tournaments. You're talking about the World Cup here. If you can't yeah. find the dates of a World Cup, it shows there's a little lack of organisation, yeah. I think. It seems to be like that kind of is the way with with futsal. I think just because it's growing quite quickly, especially in England, like with the they've just announced an under nineteens men's team who were like created and went to their first qualifiers within three months. So they literally wow. met up for three months before, went to the qualifiers, qualified through their first round, which everyone was shocked about, um, and then got at, like knocked out in the second one. But they're playing like Italy and teams like that who have had a Jeez, football team yeah. for years. Um, <laughs> and now they're talking about getting a, a women's under-19s going and then senior teams as well. Um, but again, it's just sort of... You don't know when they're gonna appear. When it, um, yeah, so, and what yeah, just, wasn't there? A lo- I, I heard a load of funding was cut from. So was that was that permanent or was that reinstated? It's a bit of a, I saw a lot of angry futsal people on, on my yeah. Twitter. About a year <laughs> yeah, ago. I was probably one of those angry people. <laughs> right. um, yeah, so during COVID, they cut all, nearly all of the funding for futsal, and they disbanded the. So there was a men's senior team, and then there was a, I think, an under 19s uh boys uh they cut funding to both of them uh right before a qualifying tournament which didn't go down particularly well as you can imagine um and i honestly don't so there's now 
England Futsal, which is a separate company supported by the FA. Um, and I'm not sure in terms of funding what that means. I think it is kind of self-funded with some support from the FA. But they're the ones that are now kind of running the national teams rather than the FA. Um, it's quite interesting because like, going back to like beach football, for example, that's, that's run separately outside of the FA and they operate a national team but it's not kind of like the FA don't have any say over it. So people are kind of saying, why can't Futsal do that as well? But the FA don't want to like let it go, but they don't want to. But isn't that a really, know. that's a really odd situation then because surely it all still comes under the, the FIFA umbrellas are still the same. So it still comes under UEFA and therefore UEFA deals with the English FA. It wouldn't yeah. deal with another end. So I find that really confusing in theory. That the it, I mean, it just sounds like the FA's basically not taking responsibility for it. But on the other hand, isn't wouldn't be willing to release it completely because then you're not being the governing body for for all football in your. Seems that's very, very confusing. Odd. Yeah, yeah it is. Confusing. It is. And honestly, I just I don't think I'm going to ever dive into the politics of of football because it is. Yeah, it's it seems very complicated, and everything like from a, from my point of view as a player, it would be very straightforward. Just like grow grow the leagues, get a national team, compete internationally. Well, I don't understand like if other countries can do it, why can't we? <laughs> Gibraltar yeah. have a women's futsal team. If Gibraltar have one, I yeah. think England could probably just about have one. But <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um. Can, can, do you mind if I jump in? This is this is very entertaining. I'm enjoying listening and learning. Uh, I'm learning an awful lot. But um, I, I've got a burning desire to ask Paul about the kits because I, I think there will be a few listeners um, who are uh, into their kits and these are something special. Um, so, Paul, I just wanted to to give you a moment to uh, to see if we could sell a few shirts. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Um, yeah, we so we got shirts made for the competition and there's a company called Stings. They're quite... Um, they're kind of a UK-based company, and I know Ernie, who runs things. He's a really good guy. He's made shirts for teams in the Conifa space, so in the non-FIFA-recognized space before. He made a beautiful shirt for Tuvalu, uh, made one for Matabele, and they're just gorgeous. So when we had this tournament, obviously none of the teams have, have kits. So I went to him and said, look, do you think you could get shirts for these teams? And he's his company's things are now designed, working with the Islanders, four shirts, one for each team. And... They are absolutely stunning. They're, they're incredible. When I first saw the Kosh Rai shirt, it was one of those moments where you look at it, you think, oh my God, it was breathtakingly good shirt. Um, and it's got this bird on it, the Kosh Rai and White Eye, which is unique to Kosh Rai. It's like got this like bird and it's red and black and it is just gorgeous. Um, I'm not even a big football shirt person, weirdly, even though I love football. I'm not like one of those people. Um, and so these shirts, selling these shirts, 100% of the profit from that goes to the teams and it's going to fund the the flights for the players which are not cheap but you know they are possible and when we first set out the aim was to raise maybe about 30 percent of the tournament costs from these shirts and this especially this koshrai shirt has absolutely become sort of a a bit of a cult phenomenon and we've sold 600 shirts over the last um 10 days and they've all just come directly through me. So I'm a little bit, <laughs> I'm sort of like, people must think I'm aware, I've got a warehouse, you know, that it has been just me sort of chugging through the orders. Um, but what it's done is it's paid about 75% of the tournament costs wow. and I paid just from shirt sales, which is an amazing thing. Because it's it's a very hard thing 
for islanders to go uh, on any of these islands to go out and get funding is very difficult um and what the the attitude over in Micronesia at the moment, I think, is that football and therefore futsal need to prove that they're worth before they can really generate funding. And the reason for that is because past football programs have slightly and advisedly ended in um, quite a lot of money being spent on tournament competition and coming up against the likes of Fiji and Vanuatu men's national football teams and being beaten by scorelines that are then embarrassing for the country. And but sadly, because of the social media age, those scorelines are a really big deal and they go around the world. And these poor yeah. kids, 16-year-old kids, are seeing Facebook, you know, people laughing at them. And um, and so, yeah, so we have to sort of prove this sport is viable and bringing in a degree of the funding for the competition is a big part of that. And so, yeah, these, these shirts have... Um, I did not expect people. It's, it's something really amusing about it as well. There's people in Brazil who are now big fans of the Duke national team, and there's uh, getting people in Italy saying, "You know, I need my Koshrai shirt." And it's yeah, just really sure. sweet. It's really lovely. You know, um, it's hard to put these places on the map at all uh, for most people. Even for me, <laughs> it's hard to find Koshrai. <laughs> um, so it's lovely to see this, and it's meaning a lot to the players out there because it shows. There's a community that they're buying into. And I think futsal has been really good in that anytime I've spoken to a futsal person, uh, they've been warm and friendly and excited. And I haven't always had that through football, to be totally honest. Football has been a bit tricky. And it's so lovely to have this community that maybe because it's a slightly underdog community, it's a community of a sport that is often treated as lesser or treated as minority. And therefore, people really seem to rally around this idea that there are people on these small islands who have very few sporting opportunities and they really want to buy into this sport and be part of it and haven't been given any support from the governing bodies and i think maybe futsal just even speaking about how english futsal is being treated it maybe it resonates quite quite strongly with people in the sport i don't know yeah i think so i think like just from where futsal's come from obviously it's like a like historically played in like favelas and and that those sort of like areas of, of brazil and and South America so I think yeah like you say it's always it's always kind of been maybe not the kind of like bougie sport that that football is to some extent um and yeah like the football community in England is just like incredible everyone is super nice so I'm not surprised that you've had that kind of that kind of like reaction pool and I think like I was surprised the other day I was watching um the Spain Ukraine Euros final the women's futsal and I like went on one of the girls like Spanish national teams Twitters and she was following me and I was like oh what because like <laughs> That's people very just, cool. they, they, they just seem to have like everyone this it's just quite a big like network and yeah I think like like you say that the like, football community are quite happy to to help each other whereas I think yeah football is a bit more of a like clan kind of your you have your team and that's who you support and that's who you help whereas football yeah. is a bit more like the sport generally and I, I get that experience as well with it. And it, I mean, to be honest, it's a bit like that. I'm sort of chatting to you here and it's like, you know, I get to chat to people in futsal who, whose credentials are just second to none. And you have this moment of thinking in the football equivalent, I'm going through their agent and then I'm probably yeah. getting passed off to someone else who's dealt to deal with people like me who just give me the, the brush off because they don't, they're too important <laughs> to, to give 10 minutes of their time. And, you know, it's it's so nice to think you can talk to people in that way and um yeah i think it's really exciting to be able to do that and when i talk to the um the guys in micronesia 
um, some of them have been following the Solomon Islands and that that their progress. So, for example, the the new coach of the men's national team in Solomon Islands is Damon Shaw, and he's obviously he's um, I think he's English, isn't he? Or is he British? Certainly. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, and so he's been lovely with his time, really supportive, happy to chat. But then I go back and tell the guys in Micronesia, and they're kind of starstruck. They're like, what? <laughs> "Really? You spoke to him?" And and I and I get that because for them, you know, he's a big deal. Um, but in football, the equivalent just wouldn't happen, sadly. Like, I, I don't think I could get in touch with, uh, you know, a national team coach and expect that kind of, that kind of just openness to talk, you know, to mm. to someone who is trying to help a nation with really zero credentials at this point. And it's, it's really touching, I think. Um, Paul, I was I was going to interject, but you were you were uh, in in full flow. I, I just want to say, um, where can anybody buy these shirts? Ah, well, from me. <laughs> That's the whole problem. So, Contacting um, you on Twitter. At Paul underscore C underscore Watson. Yeah, get me on Twitter. And I think I've replied to everybody. Occasionally, <laughs> it seems like Twitter's uh, Twitter DMs is not the best way to do business, it turns no. out. <laughs> but, um, I think I've replied to everybody. I really do. And if I haven't, uh, they can usually find me anyway. Um Usually, I've put my email address on there, which I probably shouldn't do. But uh, I trust most people are <laughs> not nefariously trying to get hold of Micronesian football shirts. <laughs> the black market for Micronesian uh, <laughs> knockoff Micronesian football who, shirts. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, I, I suppose I, I may be maybe putting something down in in print uh, for want of a better phrase. I, I don't know if I'll be able to meet, but um, we recently um, smothered our website in adverts, which thankfully no one has highlighted yet. Um, so it, they must be okay. Um, but it's it's making some reasonable money. It's going to allow us to pay for all of our web services, and there's a, quite a little bit of money left over. So um, I'm going to say, uh, how how long are these shirts on sale for? Um, we're going to do another run and they'll be on sale for about another month. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to potentially say that we, we as FIB might try as football advisor might attempt to buy one of each and see if we can, we can have some sort of competition, um, oh, with, with people within, um, cause I believe they're 30 pounds, aren't they? Yeah. 30 pounds. So we tried to keep them as cheap as we could yeah. actually to make them accessible. Cause that's another thing that I spend a lot of my time um shouting about but is how expensive and unaffordable yes. football shirts and football kits and it really is pricing out most people and so yeah 30 was about as low as we could go yeah. while maintaining a profit to get enough people a flight yeah. um as i say 100 percent goes to players um no money to the manufacturer which is the amazing thing i mean yeah. obviously i wouldn't be taking any money but the <laughs> the manufacturers themselves things have done it all at the goodness of their hearts which i think quite exceptional too actually well we'll see where we'll see as i say this may age badly um but we'll see we'll see where we are um as, as, a, as a fellow sort of volunteer organization we'll see where we are and see uh, that that seems like a quite a nice thing that we could perhaps do and work out how we could best give them away to to someone who's who's really keen so um i, I feel like i feel like i don't know was there was anything else we need to add have i have i missed anything obvious off good question I, I can't think of anything massively obvious i mean the biggest thing for us actually going forwards is it's really nice to have um for some people that we can communicate with and just say you know we have some questions about x and y because i'm not this is the thing i'm i'm as inexperienced in futsal as the guys in micronesia in many ways like i've done i've actually i did a level one coaching and i had 
I've had, you know, various experience watching and playing a little bit, but I'm really a novice. So um, for our point of view, the more people we can have who actually do know their stuff, that we can just connect with the guys in Micronesia so that when they have a question come up, it's really useful to have people who we can ask. So if there is any chance we, we could do that, <laughs> that would be really appreciated if that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I probably have quite a good grasp of people in, in England that, are, that have know, that know a lot more than me. I've only been playing for eight years. I don't think you genuinely said that in a modest way. Yes. That was meant as like eight years of, of football experience and you that know, the level you've like played long. I, I, I think it's fair to say that you are the expert that I was talking about. I wasn't sort of saying, could okay. you connect well, yeah, with someone? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can ask me, but maybe refereeing. Like, I have a tendency to not question referees, but obviously that doesn't happen in Micronesia, so that's fine. But um, yeah, there's, a, there's uh, like you say, like the football community, they're so helpful. But yeah, any kind of contact you need. And yeah, I'm here always just to chat rubbish about futsal. So yeah, anything you really need. Kind. I mean, also it's just, it's, it's really nice for them to connect with people who play at a high level too, because I think it's it's aspirational and it, um, it gives that sense of like there is something to to get to you know I mean maybe maybe it won't happen for for like you know most of the players to get to, to that kind of level but you you never know and it's nice for them to have a chat with someone who does play at a high level because I think it yeah it just motivates doesn't it and that's something they're really lacking there's no role models uh, in football there's none in futsal like it, it's just never happened and that's definitely a factor because there's a way mm. that they look at it and say well this isn't something we're supposed to do. And I think that's a big thing to overcome. So it's nice for them to chat to people and see that it's human beings, you know, football players yeah, are just human beings. Yeah. Um, and 100% because they're going to end up being those those role models. If, they, like, exactly. if they're taking the kind of initiative and, and getting involved, they're going to be the ones that people are looking up to and, and wanting to kind of emulate. So, yeah. I, I am oh. thoroughly up for uh, kids in Micronesia walking around in Southampton Aztec shirts with Povey on the back. I'm, I'm all for oh. this. You know, oh, yeah, it, well, my parents have them, so <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. Remember, the, in my book, I mentioned that the, the first time I went to Pompeii, um, we had no, they had no kit. So we asked all the 92 league clubs at the time uh, if they could donate shirts. And basically, everyone said no, except for Yeovil Town. And um, so the shirts we brought out were Yeovil Town shirts and gave them out <laughs> to the players. And the way that society is in my community, it's very much like, again, you defer to your elders. So the shirts would be worn by the players, but then gradually, slowly but surely, um, their parents would often say, shirt, I want it. And so the shirt would just belong to like an older cousin or a brother. Or a dad. So you just go out into remote Micronesia <laughs> and you'd be walking around and you'd see a Yeovil Town shirt. <laughs> And then the same sort of thing happened with shin pads. We don't know why we thought we needed shin pads, but we believe you needed shin pads for a long while. Players totally refuse to wear them. It's absolutely never going to happen. They wouldn't <laughs> wear football shorts either. Shorts are like, they only wear long, long shorts. So the football shorts we gave them were just like, it was <laughs> indecent to them that they would wear them. Shin pads were even more ridiculous, the idea that they'd block the weather. So they all just disappeared one day. And it, we found them being used for a variety of different things, just like to pop stuff up, as you know, just on people's <laughs> coffee tables, the decorations. Uh, but some, sometimes you see someone in the jungle with a machete and they'd have shin pads on. <laughs> 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 you sort of realise exactly how misguided our first efforts were. <laughs> At least you tried. Health and safety. Yeah. 
Yes. Exactly right. But I'm thinking now, you know, maybe it'll be, yeah, those Povey shirts and people go out and say, what, what is Povey? Like, what is, is it a religion? Is it like, is it one of the, one of the missionary chapters that came here? And I'm sure I can source some. I'm sure I can source some. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Paul, it's been really, absolutely, really brilliant to to talk to you about this. And Lish, thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, Paul, I just really quickly as well um, wanted to ask you about Kitmas because mm. I would love to do Kitmas, but I've just never been organised enough to sort it out. Can you just tell us very quickly about Kitmas and what you do? Yes, so um, it was basically an idea that came about because I had a lot of football kit in my garage, and I usually sending it out all over the world um, to different causes and places, uh, mostly in Africa, and got towards Christmas in 2020 and I had some shirts and didn't have anything to, to do with them. Um, partly because they were, they were brand new. Um, I think they were Chelsea or Man United shirt. They're a really nice kit. Um, but I couldn't give them where I, where the person who donated them said, can you give them to a refugee group that I work with? I, I couldn't because it would mark these 10 kids hours. you know, you get these shirts, you don't. So I, I had nothing to do with them and it was getting towards Christmas and sort of thought, well, actually, you know, a lot of kids in this country, are, their parents are probably going to struggle to put, sort of presents for them in you know it's a very tough time especially in 2020 you know start of covid pandemic a lot of families were, were struggling so just brought them down to my local sort of food bank here in strat said you know would these be of any use um and they, they were delighted and said you know this is exactly the kind of thing we need and so after that sent out a message on twitter saying you know it's just something that might be able to do with a few more shirts you know if, if people and it just absolutely snowballed and we we end up getting a thousand shirts and sent them to community centers all over the uk um 16 different community centers um and then did the same year after it got a lot bigger again and then we just did it in in 2022 and it was i think now we've done about five thousand shirts in total around um, the uk and it's just something we like to do either people can donate you know as new really good quality shirts that they already have that maybe they're not going to use um or they can donate money and we buy shirts for kids and then donate them to the centers so as i say we just give them to the community centers they're doing this year this work like year round so we're really just mm-hmm. a drop in the ocean and it's really quite humbling as well because we send you know we send around the country we sent to and we send to places like newcastle and we sent them something like a uh, hundred shirts and said you know do you have enough enough demand for these and they're saying you know thank you but you know we do have three thousand children that we're looking after this year and that's just newcastle and that, you know, just scale of the problem. Every year we just kind of want to do a bit more, but um, it's been a really nice process and the way people kind of get behind it is really lovely. Perhaps we can, um, perhaps sort of later in the year, once you, once the futsal tournament's out of the way, we can perhaps have a chat again and see see how how maybe we can um, we can maybe help and get involved in that. That would be really nice. Um, be Paul nice. Watson, thank you ever so much for your time. Um, it's been really illuminating talking about football in Micronesia. Um, it's absolutely nothing to do with Berkshire. I just thought it was really interesting. So <laughs> why the hell not? Um, it, it's our platform, isn't it, Lish? So we we can do what we like with it. So um, that, that's what we decided to do. Um, and Alicia Povey, thank you so much for joining us thanks guys thank you both it's been lovely thanks thank for your you. time it's been a real pleasure to chat thank you Our intro music is called
Explore Space Camp from the album Everyday Adventures by Reading's very own Walking Kings, which you can find on Spotify and all good music outlets. Find Football in Berkshire on Twitter, Facebook, and footballinberkshire.co.uk. Football in Berkshire's podcast is sponsored by TicketPass. TicketPass provides an ethical alternative to a ticketing industry that often profits from greed. Our platform is an all-in-one solution for creating events, buying and selling tickets, live streaming and keeping events in a safe space. To find out more, to buy tickets, to sign up to the service, head to ticketpass.org. Berkshire Football Stories is sponsored by the Curious Academy, skills hub running the Sales Academy, digital skills boot camps and data analytics training in Reading. To find out more, head to thecuriousacademy.co.uk. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.